Hey, Adam, what's up? Not much. Manny, you're still here. I'm still here. Haven't left yet. All right. Now, now, tell me, your favorite character is Superman. Duh. So, because you're wearing the Superman shirt, right? I sure am. That's not Superman. That's what kind of is. It's NASCAR, too. It's NASCAR Superman, which makes it... part redneck. It makes it extra American. Heck, yeah. That's what we need now. So, how about we talk about our favorite Superman stories? Let's do it. On this episode of Graphic Content. Stay a while and listen. He called you a cowboy. What in Sam Hill? What did he mean? What are you... I'm the abomination, the strongest mutant of all. Know this, swimming bird. Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. This blue eye perceives all things conjoined. I cared much for the word impregnable. The past. Sounds a bit too much like unsinkable. The future. What's wrong with unsinkable? Nothing. And the present. As the iceberg said to the Titanic. How's life? He seems nice. And we're back with episode 31 of the Graphic Content Podcast. My name is Jim Mason. I'm alongside my regular partner, Adam Messinger. And our special guest, returning for yet another episode, but we spoiled that last episode. It is... Manny Gomez. Manny Gomez, the world's biggest Superman fan. Oh, yeah. You love the Superman. I love him. What is it about the Superman? I, You know what? I'm talking... I'm, why am I talking... Like, I'm some old, crusty guy. What is it about the Superman? The super hyphen man. I'm like, Larry King. Larry <laughs> King. Cleveland, hello. No, seriously, what is it about Superman that, that speaks to you so much? Well, I think it really had to do with Christopher Reeve as a young oh. child. I believe the man could fly. Yeah. And that, that movie... Was the t- Adam, if you didn't know, that was the tagline for Superman the movie, the first Superman Richard Donner film. You will believe a man could fly. And it just stuck with me. I love that movie. It's still my favorite movie. In fact, I watched it today just to get all Superman up because I'm not going to watch Man of Steel. Yeah. Um, well, okay. But this... You hurt me a little bit, but that's okay. I mean, I like it. But, but you it's not... But it's no Richard Donner's Superman. No, You're and that's the thing. correct. Superman is... I, I'll just be out here. I don't believe in Jesus Christ or anything. I mean, I think he's a cool idea and all that stuff, and I respect people's opinions. So Superman, to me, is my what I wish to aspire to be, perfection. I'm not going to say I'm going to fly and have heat vision, but the fact that he loves everyone and, and he's so selfless, and I really wish they would get back to more of that. So he's your guru. There you go. Yeah. I just love or Superman. Or his spirit animal, maybe. I don't know. Or Well, he is Kryptonian, so he ain't yeah, human. I, I guess human. he could be a spirit animal. That's true. And I just That's grew up playing with Superman toys. I started reading Superman comics at a young age. My mom would take me to the original comic Grapevine that was on Loda Avenue. And oh, yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. yeah. And so I used to buy Superman uh, alongside Ninja Turtles and Batman, but Superman was always my favorite. I saw... I remember seeing Superman 4 uh, opening day in El Paso, Texas. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, as I grow up, I realize how bad that movie is. But when you're a kid, it's just Christopher Reeve on the screen. I, that's all I wanted. 
Yeah, and, and to we, be it, fair, as a kid, Solar Man looks cool. He nu- looked nuclear cool. man. Nuclear, oh, man. nuclear man. Nuclear man. Nuclear man looked cool. And we didn't have any superheroes really on the big screen, so I took what I could get. It was it was another superhero fight. It was a it su- was you know, and I needed that. Yeah, because Superman three did not provide that oh, at all. Oh God, Robert Vaughn, a Superman villain, does not make. I'm sorry, and that, <laughs> that was terrible. Big titty chick on top of the. Oh. I was like, really, Superman's gonna bone her? Like, come on. Oh, that was terrible. And plus, look, say what you want to about Superman for the quest for peace. The great Gene Hackman was in it, supported by none other than the great John Cryer. I'm putting my head on the microphone. I can't believe I said that. So, but we, this was the time before the Michael Keaton Batman movie. Exactly, so. it was right before the Michael Keaton Batman right? movie. And, but anyway, Superman's just always been important to me. He's made me feel American. Yeah. Um, growing the ul- up, the ultimate immigrant story. He's I, an immigrant. Which yeah. Resonates with my family. Sure. And um, I just love the fact that he doesn't kill. He believes in truth, justice, and now it's not so much the American way. He's just. He believes in everyone should in be humanity and humanity, which I really like that take. I love the old phrases and stuff, the old nostalgia about it, but I really think Superman um, embodies everything I wanted to be growing up and still does. And my kids look up to him and yeah, I'm just a nerd about Superman, especially if they get the character right. Yeah. He's a character who can never be cool. Honestly. He's not supposed to be cool. Yeah. And every time they try to make him cool, it ruins the character. It's like trying to make Jesus like walk around with like Chuck Taylors. And Buddy Christ was awesome. Buddy Christ is cool. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Hey. Yay. <laughs> but you can't. There's certain people that I mean, certain characters you just gotta leave alone, and he's one of them. And the other thing that's great about Superman, in my opinion, is the fact that he can be reinterpreted in so many different ways. Yeah, true. And work in so many different settings, like in Grant Morrison's Multiversity. I really enjoyed seeing the Sunshine Superman, which was based flatly on Barack Obama. Totally. And to see that sort of leadership... That was that this, the one with Nubia and all that? It was based in that, if I yeah. remember correctly, where Nubia was the Wonder Woman of yeah. that world, mm-hmm. where all the characters were characters of color. Yeah. And I enjoyed that Superman. I went back and reread the original Sunshine, Sunshine Superman stuff, and it was almost... You know, hippie utopian Superman, but it was still Superman. At, at the guts of any good Superman story, whether it's an Elseworlds, whether it's a quote unquote imaginary story, as they used to call them, whether it is a mainstream Superman title, or whether it's in the cartoons, it's Superman. And it's a whole different kind of character. I, I don't know how else to describe it. What about you, Adam? What I mean, where are you on the Superman? So I have a weird kind of not weird. It's uh, um, okay, un- maybe a little weird since it's coming from you. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, an unexpected history with Superman. Okay, my my mom, I she got me into action figures, which is hilarious because my mom could not care any less about comic books and superheroes. Okay, but the story was that we were at a little department store in the Midwest. No, it was a grocery store, because back when grocery stores had action figures. Yep. Um, And I was two, and I saw a Superman figure, and it was the one with the... The one from the 90s where they had the bronze packaging. Oh, yeah. And uh, it yeah. was the DC Legendary Heroes, I think is what it was called. Something like that, it yeah. was. It was that, and then you put the... It came with a kryptonite ring, 
and that when you put it next to Superman, he fell. Oh, wow. Awesome. Had you not, have you guys no, not seen this? No, I didn't know that. It was did like a that. magnet or something? I don't know how it worked, but I think that's how Polar, it worked. Yeah, the, yeah because probably. what would happen Reverse is. Reverse magnetism. Would, he would start to shake and then he'd fall. Wow. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I want that action figure so bad. And he, he had the like, he had a cloth cape and this little like kind of U thing that went around. It was a plastic ring okay. that went around his neck. It's kind of dope. And you could take man. it off and it had. He had these just stationary hands that just kind of were by his side, and his he arms. Just, and yeah. he was just kind of tough looking. And, and he, you know what? We talked last episode about Kurt Swan. Yeah, he had the body of a Kurt Swan Superman, oh, in my that opinion. Barrel chested kind of. Yep. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. a little bit of a beer gut, but he was holding exactly. it in. You know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Superman like Schlitz. So. <laughs> yeah, and he had that like the, the, almost like that strongman torso. Okay. Yeah, yeah, like not. Totally fit because he uh-huh. didn't get not totally like the, fit until John like, Byrne. Oh my God, John Byrne turned him into a fitness machine, right? Because yeah, before he had like the beer gut. Yeah, yeah. Just, he, he was, was a, a man. man. <laughs> he was a man. He was Which a, is, he was a man of his era. You yeah. know, and, and what better place to keep beer cold than in the fortress of solitude, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, come on, you could just put it out on the table. It's no problem. Just. Exactly. <laughs> the only thing was he had to be careful not to break the bottle. Right. He'd just like flip the cap and be like, I don't want to break the If you off. remember Superman 2, he just popped the champagne bottle by gently squeezing the glass bottle. <laughs> That's right. Just ever so slightly. That's Superman. Fucking Superman could do anything. Yeah. I don't care for the throwing of the shield. And okay. That, that wasn't Richard Donner. No, that though. was Lester. No, oh. Ugh. But yeah, that was but my the first. The champagne bottle, I like. That, that was, was a good fir- bit. That, that was, was the first bit. Superman. That was the first figure I ever got and got me into collecting action figures, yeah. which just, you know, steamrolled into comic books. And sure. And as a kid, I didn't. I read some comic books, but I had an annual read of the, of the trade paperback of The Death of Superman. Okay. That was like the one thing every year. God, from, we all had that. From about I the think time. We all did. From about the time I was in second grade till about. Yeah, till about eighth grade. I remember going to Al's Comics here in Stockton. We were all in community college, my friends and I, and it was the death of Superman issue, and there was a line out the door no shit. for that comic book. And we left Delta College, where we're, it's a community college locally, if you're not familiar with the Stockton area, and we all got two copies, one to keep in the poly bag, and then one to rip open. The special edition came with a black armband with the no red No fucking S. shit. Yep, and we all wore our red Superman black bands. It was now the most nerdy I've ever been in that public, was, I think. What year was that, 1990? It was 92. 92, 92. yeah. So I yeah. was 11. Yeah, so thanks. I'm feeling extremely older <laughs> than I've ever felt right now. But it even was worse, even worse than last episode. Oh God, so much worse right now. I can feel it in my hips. It's so bad. Oh, okay. uh, but you sure that isn't your chair? It might be the chair. Uh, Maybe and I'm, the wheels on it. Oh shut up. <laughs> you little bastard. I don't care how fast you can run. I will catch you. I will catch you. We'll just be, you know, 105. Oh, <laughs> If it's my last breath, I will catch you. I spit. S- my last spit at thee. <laughs> Hold on, I got. I got to get my Ricardo Maltabon chest. Yeah, the fake chest from Hillsot. I stab at thee. <laughs> so great. But look, we're not here to talk about Khan. Oh, Khan. 
that's a whole different podcast. But today, we wanted to talk about, from the heart of the graphic content high-tech studio, we wanted to talk about our favorite Superman stories. So, Adam, since you're the youngin' here, we are going to put uh, youth before experience and allow you to talk about your favorite Superman comic first. I am grateful for that. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, when I was back in my day, no. <laughs> You're supposed to give it a little tremble, like, back in my day. Oh, no, I haven't hit that stage of my life yet. I just... Uh, Why am I doing this? You're not grizzled enough yet. Yeah, yeah. not grizzled. Um I, back in 2007, I worked at a comic shop out in Tracy, mm-hmm. no longer there, unfortunately, called King's Comics. I love that shop. That shop. Uh, oh, that guy was so dope. Cra- yeah, yeah. Craig was yep. was a great Craig Culpepper, great guy. Um, Played some HeroClix over yes, there. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he ran he ran a great shop that I feel like the community was not big enough to support. Just not it. W- it wasn't prime time for comic book exactly. stores yet. And and not only that, it came around when the etern- when the economy just completely oh, the bottom died. dropped out from under. Yeah, yeah it was in two thousand seven, two thousand eight was you know kind of the year it did that. Yep. And uh, but during that time, there were some great comics made. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was kind of buying anything that was the flavor of the month. Uh, I was seventeen, eight. No, I was nineteen, and I had no clue of how money worked. And how debt worked. <laughs> but I knew how I wanted my comic collection to work. Okay. And uh, and I, I was I was a huge Jeff Johns fan. And he said, I'm going to come on super well, on Action Comics with Richard Action. Donner. Right. And uh, so I was like, all right, let's see what's up. And my God, they started it off with this story called Last Son. And wh- who was the artist on that again? Adam Kubert. Adam Kubert. I didn't want to blow which Kubert brother it was. It was Adam Kubert. And because at that time, Adam took over Superman, yeah. and he took over Batman with That's Grant right. Morrison. That's right. Yeah. Um, and, and man, that was the best that dude has ever looked, I think, was it, on that book. It was so phenomenal. Um, it made me sad that he wasn't able to do more, just I think because of his speed, and I right. think there was editorial interference. And it just didn't seem like he had he meshed well with the the big heads over at DC. But God, it was beautiful. It was, oh. and and it took a while to come out. It, it oh, because it, remember there was even that big pause before the final issue. Yeah, well, to, it was months. There on was that final issue. The final issue was in annual eleven. Right. They did a. Uh, it was kind of a, a. I don't know how to describe it. It wasn't part of the main story, but annual ten had some stuff that tied into it. Correct. Um, it had some, some support stories. Uh, in fact, it's the, that's the only comic I have signed by Joe Kubert before he passed away. No kidding. And I have it signed by Adam as well. Very uh, sweet. So I have, a best, a, I have a special place in my heart for that story because you get to see for the first time Superman going, can I be a dad? And Lois going, wait, we talked about this. This is not what we do. We can't do this. And then he he has this kinship from him straight out the gate when his when his ship when the kid's ship crashes straight into Metropolis, and he sees this kid in the pod who's already you know six seven years old, and uh, and he's just super protective of him. 
and and that that within the first issue, I think they they managed to build that bond, which he breaks him out of where he's at, right? The yeah. lab or whatever. He yeah. just he he doesn't care, and they say you can't do that. And he just goes in there anyway. Yep. Yeah, and just breaks and it apart. And that's one of the first times you see Superman do. For me, it was one of the first times I saw Superman do something like that because doing the right thing was more important. Exactly. Exactly, because right. he was... Who's, he, that's who Superman is. Right. He, he would... I mean, he was one of those law-abiding citizens, but when it came to that, he was like, no, 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 that's not how we're going to play this. I'm Superman. Well, and, and he plays that card so rarely in, in good Superman stories. Yeah. But he's a guy that is provided a certain set of abilities that he has very little to fear from the material world. He doesn't have to worry about, oh, people are going to shame me if I don't do the right thing, or I'm going to lose my job if I don't do the right thing. That's why I have a secret identity. He is afforded the ability, not just his heat vision and flight and super speed and super intellect and, and vulnerability and all that. He has the, the wherewithal to always do the right thing, where... So many of us are left with not necessarily having the luxury of doing the right thing directly. You know, exactly. Because, because we have yeah. social stigmas, because we have work politics, because we have neighbors that might look at us cross-eyed or whatever. We have family that, we ha- that, that judges those types of things. Exactly. Whereas Superman is as a character pretty much unfettered and we get to explore you know what is it like to be invulnerable to the the effects of doing the right thing except in the most extreme circumstances so anyway sorry to interrupt but it just it just hit me that that was something that superman's greatest superpower is you know being able to take the slings and arrows for doing the right thing ultimately and and the thing for me that makes great superman stories is while those slings and arrows he can take physically it's the emotional slings and arrows yes. and this one has a ton of them oh it's and you get to see they bring back the because richard donner co-wrote the story with jeff johns you get to see the whole crystal palace version of and Jor-El with the white hair yep I loved it. And you get to see Zod break through from... The, he's figured out how to break through from the Phantom Zone. Yep. And and to me, like, they've done so many variations of Zod. Uh, that that to, is Zod. And to me... Yeah, exactly. That became Zod to me. That I was, was still hearing Terrence Stamp's voice, though. Me too. Me too. I, I, yeah. I, but it was totally... <laughs> before it was, Zod. It was, a, it was a definitive take on Zod for Yeah. Me. Yeah, on Lorzod. Yes. And did you like what they did to Nan? Oh, he yeah. the backstory oh of Nan. That yeah. he was his, he was, was Jor-El's a, buddy. There was just intellect. That he was not just a buddy, but he was a peer. He was yeah. an intellectual Wasn't peer. He a mentor? He was yes, I think, I think he was you're a right. mentor. Yeah. Before he was essentially lobotomized for his crazy ass ideas. Like, oh, the planet's gonna explode if we keep drilling into it, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Which is kind like of the, funny that that all fits now too. Yeah, but, but yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. He, I think he was his mentor, and then they, and then that's one of the reasons, in a warped way, Zod took him because Zod knew that planet was in trouble because Zod was a friend of Jor El's up yes. until that point, until Jor El caved. 
and yeah, he in the whole thing was Zod being a, a, a military extremist. Right, he went to the extreme military style. Yeah. But yeah. they and played him like they did, like all the great villains, where the great villains don't see themselves as, as the villains, villains oh, of their own story. Yeah. Oh, and they do this whole thing where um, he gets he gets into the well, him and Ursa and Nan get into the the fortress of solitude just by the just by being Kryptonian. Right. And uh, because, I mean, Superman's supposed to be the last one. and Surprise! So, yeah, so they get in there, and they start talking to Jor-El, and you see Zod at the, like, he gives the kind of, they use it as a narrative device, but at the end, they give it this emotional punch because Zod is just kind of like, I can't believe that you're such a piece of crap that you're not around anymore to see this and call me the villain when I'm still alive. I was just like, man, this is so... It was so great. And then you see a point where they try to go. It turns out Chris Kent is their son, is Ursa and Zod's son, mm-hmm. that they've been abusing and beating the crap yeah, out of. Yeah, that's right. Yep. And you discover there's a point in the Phantom Zone that's actually solid because Superman is sent there mm-hmm. by Zod. And that's how they kind of get rid of him. And they take over Metropolis. Uh huh. Well, it turns out in that story I, that I love, I love this that. The way that Superman is able to get well, he, when he gets out, the person he has to turn to is Lex Luthor, who has been pr- pretty much who who at this point had become a doomsday prepper for when Superman Takes goes over. goes in justice style. Yep, and he had he'd built Metallo at this point. He'd built he made some adjustments to Parasite. I think you're right. And there was somebody else that I ca- I can't quite remember. What it's he been did. So long since I've read that. Yeah, I've uh, I've re- I've started it a couple times. I've not finished. Did they it. ever collect that into a single volume? Yes, they did. They did. Okay. In, in fact, um, they did it a couple different ways. I would recommend going on eBay and finding the trade. Okay. Um, actually, no. Go find the single issues because okay. the trade does not carry action. The Action no. Comics Annual Number Ten. Okay. And and while. During the fan, when Superman's in the Phantom Zone, he gets out because of help from Monel. Okay, and they, that's oh, right. That's right. And they You're give totally you, on point. They give yep. you the whole backstory of not only Monel but the whole uh, Jor-El going uh, sending Zod and Ursa and Nan yep. into the the Phantom Zone in that annual. Oh man, that's right. And so, God. like, they left that out, which I thought was a huge mistake. Yeah. Um, and and so you know of course you know so Superman teams with Lex Luthor and this Superman Revenge Squad yeah to take down Zod yeah and uh, or yeah and so you get and at the end of it I mean as a whole it's a classic DCU knockdown drag out the Justice League gets involved but of course the main focus is on Superman and Zod and then Adam Kubert is just fucking amazing on point with all of his stuff. Um, and this was how they kicked their runoff, and this solidified for me. Uh, Jeff Johns is the best Superman writer in modern times. Well, yeah. for me, I would say just period. Okay, and maybe that's just because I haven't had the exposure to the older stuff. Sure, but for me, yeah, personally, I would say that Jeff Johns is my favorite. There's so much emotion in it. Absolutely, honestly, and Jeff Johns has always been able to infuse emotion into. What were criticized as unemotional or emotionless characters, 
DC characters were always these mythological figures. Right, larger than life. Larger than life. Superman, Zeus, Diana's Hera, Green Lantern, Apollo, you know, using the Grant Morrison metaphors and all that, you know, uh, Batman as Hades, where Jeff Johns has always been able to find the humanity in these characters to forge the connection between the reader and and the fictional creation. And, and what else he does is he's able to bring out the nostalgia of each character and then and then like you said add everything to it. It's not just that one-dimensional character you remember from being a child. Yes. He transforms that character but keeps them at the core of what you remember. And as he child. uses that to illuminate yes the the godlike stature as opposed to weaken the godlike stature exactly. with those things. Exactly. Good call. And uh yeah, I mean I yeah that that story to me was fantastic. Um it's mm, yeah, it's my single favorite Superman story. God. It's the one I've read the most. Yeah. It's the one I always find myself going back to. I th- if I think of a Superman story, I think of that. Um, the I wish that they collected it in a way that made sense today. Because uh, as I said, the original collection, it was called Last Sun, and they left out that an- that annual. annual. And then they collected it later. And I don't know if they have the annual in it still. But they collected it later. They renamed it Last Son of Krypton. Okay, yeah. And then they put that. they put it with this Brainiac story, hmm. which bookended uh, Jeff Johns's run on Action. Interesting. And I was like, why would would you put those two together? Was like, that Brainiac the one he did with uh, Gary with Frank? Frank? Gary yeah, Frank. Yeah. It doesn't even go with that story. It doesn't. And and as I said, like it bookends the runs. Uh, you got the beginning with Donner, and then you got the end with uh, with Brainiac. Both are great stories, but they don't fit in the same trail. Right, right. Um, so I, my recommendation would be to try to find the single issues. They're not super expensive. Yeah. Um, it runs. It, it it jumps around, so it's kind of a pain in the ass to find. Sure. Um, and that's. And that I think kind of hurt it when it was coming out, mm-hmm. but it, it stopped. It, it suddenly just stopped. You you had to wait and wait and wait yeah. for it. And yeah, you would get like the first three parts, and then they're like, "We can't hold action up for another six months." And then they put some some they let Kirst, Kurt Busiek, who was writing Superman at the time, right. do some action stories, and then they busted yep. out the Phantom Zone issue, which was kind of random. And then they were like, uh, "We're just going to finish this in Annual Eleven." <laughs> and so they waited for that, and that was that capped it all off. Right okay, now, since Richard Donner was tied to this, and 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 Jeff Johns used to work for Richard Donner, yeah, he back was in his the day, production assistant so for years. How great would that have been? Oh man! Instead of making Superman Returns, which was a which was a, a love letter <sighs> to the Donner era, right? They should have done something like that because that hit. That was Superman. Instead of portraying Superman as a deadbeat dad, which is my biggest criticism of yes. Superman, Superman would Returns. never do. No, no. And Super- he would have known she's pregnant because he has X-ray vision and super hearing and super sperm and super sperm. I mean, come on, he's Superman. He would have heard the creation of the oh, he sperm hit so, the egg. Yeah, Frank like, Miller told us that. That's right. So. so that would have been. I mean, a way I'm to sorry, go. Uncle Frank is right on that one. He <laughs> is. Yeah, he is. So that would have been a way to go because that comic, that run in Action Comics, felt so much like the Donner movies, which I just watched the first one again today. It felt like Superman. He was a genuinely good guy, always doing the right thing. Then he has to care for a child. He's married. I love that aspect. It was just 
It, it, it would have been an awesome because we could totally see him and Lois getting married later. Yeah. Him, re- you know, they could have they could have given a nod to him revealing his secret identity to Lois, and but they they couldn't have children, and they could have lamented on that fact that you know as much as they love each other that you know he would you know. And of course, you've always known Superman wants to be a dad because he had such a great Earth father that he he has all this. And even his his Kryptonian birth, father, his Kryptonian father, made the ultimate sacrifice to give him life and to let him continue his life. That even you know what? Now that you say that, that because in the Brainiac story, Pa Kent dies. Oh yeah. yeah. So like fuck like no those don't go together like yeah you're not right about they don't. being a great dad right and like yeah paying homage remember to he that. hears a heart attack from how far away oh yeah so <laughs> so you know he would have heard the sperm and he would have never left the Superman turn should have never been made sorry but yeah but we're, he hears because that heart we're talking attack. we're talking pre crisis Superman who had the powers of pretty much God yes you know let's be let's that, be clear. we're talking Donner era Superman yes yes that he's. Superior to everything. So I would have had a real anyway. So that's but it's that's not that Brandon favorite. Routh was bad in it. Again, like her no, I enjoyed episode, him. In our previous episode, we talk about how individual performances can be great in a movie that's not so good. And he I, was Superman. He I was, thought he was. He channeled the spirit of Christopher Reeve. In that so film. since Manny, since you grew up with Superman in the kind of the eighties, I mean that was what seventy nine. Superman was seventy eight. Superman was seventy eight, and and Superman two was eighty. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. if that was like when you were growing up, do you have any like stories that really hit you from like Superman of that time? Yeah. What's what's your favorite Superman story, Manny? Well, it's with the crazy guy from across the pond, but I love Alan Moore. That crazy old wizard. But don't uh, piss him off because he will fucking hex your ass. Yes. So I'll give Icon will haunt you for the man Seriously. who. So it's called for the man who has everything. Oh, but God. my first take on that, I did, before I knew who Alan Moore was and all that stuff, there was an episode of Justice League. Yep. And I, I, I remember watching this and I was like, oh my gosh. And it's about Superman's birthday. Yeah. And what do you get for the man who has everything? Because Superman has everything. And especially if you go. Into the Fortress of Solitude, which uh, the early days, pre-80s, had everything. It was like the Bat Cave of the past. It, it had was his relics tr- and trophies, trophies, Kryptonian technology, had creatures, the last Creature. surviving creatures. From which many Justice worlds. League, the cartoon, did well. They, they brought yep. that back oh, and, and kept Superman, that spirit the alive. Anime, Superman, and the animated yes, series, started that, huh? Yeah, yes. thank God, because they, they kept that spirit of Superman. He's yep. the last of his planet. He saves the last of other planets. That's right. I love it. Yep. So anyway, which they also did in All Star Superman because he had the oh, last. That's right. right. He had to feed that star, star star stuff to a sun eater. Yep. From the old, and it was just a baby, and he was breaking it's a it up. Baby sun sun eater. He had I to love feed. that stuff. Yeah. That's what also makes Superman cool is the old nostalgic stuff. Silver Age Superman. Oh my God, the best. Yeah. So anyway, um, this was out, and and to to call out this story, if I remember right, uh, the writer was Alan Moore. Yeah. And the artist was this guy named Dave Gibbons before they did Watchmen together. Yep. And it was a precursor of things to come. And the artwork is phenomenal. Oh. They get Mongol right. And in the comic, it's not Batman. just Mongol, but Batman, Robin, and Wonder Woman. And this is this is the first version of Jason Todd. Yes. Not the brat that I'm glad we wiped off the face of the earth. Sorry, I voted for that. I made that call. <laughs> I, I'm a child killer, you I know. You blew a dollar fifty on yes, that. Yes, I did. Oh my god. Hey, my mom let me. Okay. I just remember. There you go. You so anyway, call. 
<laughs> but and then there's Wonder Woman, and there's even Batman telling Robin, "Hey, don't look at her that way." You know, I mean, because she's that like they're in the you know an, they're in Antarctica, and she's still in her outfit, and she's know, in her bathing suit and <laughs> looking good, not even, not even worried a bit. Full bikini wax, everything going right, and her so, Linda Carter thing was was just popping at that point. I, uh, she gets her the flower, right? Right. That's right, but I love that they walk in and they see Superman all wrapped up and wrapped up in this alien plant, which creature. was called the um, the black um, orchid, black orb. No. no, no, it was uh, the black. I'm going to look it up while you talk. Okay, about it. but yeah, I've actually, I'm honestly, I've not read this. Oh, I've only heard about it. Oh, this so is good. so brilliant. You can get it in the uh, the collected works of Alan Moore Superman. So good. So good. There's the Swamp Thing tale in there and a bunch of other stuff. But what gets to me is that Mongol thinks that Superman wants to be the ruler of the Earth and wants to dominate because he's so powerful, because that's how Mongol thinks. So he puts this plant on him, which makes the host dream and live its wildest dreams come true. Well, Superman isn't made that way. We find out Superman wakes up in a dream next to his wife on Krypton. Krypton has not exploded yet. And he has a son. And he loves his son. And he visits his dad. And his dad, you know, is embarrassed because Krypton didn't blow up all those years ago like he thought it was going to. The Black Mercy. The Black Mercy. Oh, That's yeah. what the name okay. of the planet. And this was from Superman Annual Number 11, published in 1985. So, they moving n- on from there. <laughs> what makes it great is that Batman and Wonder Woman and Robin see him with this flower, the Black Mercy on him. They're trying to get off. Mongol shows up to start fighting them. They start fighting Mongol and trying to free Superman at the same time. Yeah. Imagine Batman, Robin, and Wonder Woman trying to fight Mongol. I and feel like a, Wonder Woman's fighting Mongol while Batman and Robin are trying to figure out how to get this shit off. That's what happens. Pretty much, yeah. That's what happens. because she's And she even goes into the Hall of Weapons... Holy Superman, shit. And there's a using, hall of weapons. In, in the in the Fortress yep. of she starts using those on Mongol. And, and they, there's some crazy shit, which I can't even remember <laughs> in this story. But, I mean, it was like, you know, black hole swords and shit like that. You know? <laughs> well, it's, awesome. Oh, no, it's awesome. It's, uh, and, it's, and they have the full-on, like, panels of boom, whack. I mean, because it's Mongol and Wonder Woman fighting each other. What was Mongol's angle? Like, why was he involved? Was he trying to help Superman out for his birthday? No, no he, he hates Superman. Superman. And the Black Mercy puts you in this hallucination world until you die because you are not caring for your body. And it makes you, it brings your wildest dreams to come true in your mind. Here, look at the cover of this right here. Can you see that? Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. It's just, and it's a devastating personal weapon. So it takes your your wildest dreams and kills you while you're doing it. So while Wonder Woman's fighting Mongol, Batman... And Robin are trying to free Superman. And Batman's like, Clark, get it, snap out of it. It's not real. It's not real. Meanwhile, in Superman's head, he's living on Krypton. He's taking his son to a trip to visit his grandpa, Jor-El. Who is a scientist, but, but Kal-El, what is he? He is a farmer. He's a farmer. On what? Krypton. He is a farmer. That's awesome. On, oh, my God. It was so great. And so, finally, Superman starts realizing this isn't real. And there's a scene. Mm-hmm. He's driving with his son. I think they're driving home because the planet is starting to erupt. Like Jarrell's um, visions did come true, but just many years later. And he tells his son, and it's the saddest thing because I could never imagine telling my son this. 
he kneels and he has to say goodbye to his son because he tells him, I, I know that this isn't real. This isn't right and you're not real, but I will always love you. And the planet explodes. And when the planet explodes, he wakes up from his dream and the Black Mercy's loose. And Batman's holding the Black Mercy. Holy and shit. And then the tentacles. Black Mercy goes on Batman yep. for a minute and, and his parents are alive again. Yep. Oh my god! And gosh. you see Batman smile. Yeah. What? Oh, oh I swear to God. It, it's this, so good. This story is this story shows why Alan Moore so, look, I've said my I I've, <laughs> I've 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 said my bit on Alan Moore today, but Alan Moore of of the early nineteen eighties had it down. There was no there was no better craftsman working in comics and he was a an artisan of comics. So this was before his spirit was broken. Before, yeah, yeah, no, seriously, it, it's before his heart was broken. It's by so DC touching Comics. because he wakes, he has to tell his son goodbye. He loves his son. He, in his mind, he's lived with his son since conception, birth, and to this point. So, in Superman's mind, yep. that's his son. Yep. He's and got you, however and many you, worthy years of. So love. when he wakes up, he just said goodbye to his son. His son is dead. His so his can you father ima- and mother are dead. dead. All Again, the people he his knew. Wife, these, these these phantom Kryptonians that never existed except only in his mind were gone. And all he sees in front of him, he even ignores his best friend who's Batman at this point, you know, who's now under the control of the Black Mercy and Wonder Woman's looking at this going, holy shit. And she's battered. She's all bruised up. And she, oh, she's had the shit kicked out of her by Mongol. I mean, Mongol's a Superman. And enemy. all of a sudden he just looks and you just see this rage and he says, and they, I just remember it says, There's Mongol! He knows, and he fucking takes off. But remember what he does before that? He looks at him with this quiet fury, and there's this word balloon with really small word that says, burn. And he unleashes <laughs> Cyclops-level heat vision. vision on dude. He's unleashed. And he says, do you know what you did to me? Do you know? Because Mongol's still saying, I'm... Oh, Mongol's still saying, you know, like... I'm uh, sorry, I had to tell oh, Manny sorry. to talk I got all into, into it. <laughs> He's telling Mongol, do you know what you did to me? Do you know what you did? Right. And Mongol still thinks, like, oh, yeah, like, I, you in your mind, you were a king of Earth and of the universe, because that's how Mongol thinks. He has no clue that he just hurt Superman, which is the only way to hurt him, emotionally, to and, truly hurt wow. him. Wow. It's, Dude, you have to read the story. It, it's it's what couple of it's, it's one issue. It's like twenty some pages. It's yeah. Well, no, it was in annual. I, oh, okay. I, so I, it no, it's like in the annual thirty some forty. Yeah, I'll look. Forty eight. I, I lost it here, but. but it is so good. They finally beat him, and the Black Mercy lands on a Mongol, and of course, his dreams are him ruling the you know the universe. But Justice League animated it, and they animated it right. And yeah. they just left out Robin. Yep. But it was so good. And it, it's even, it still makes you cry because he has to say goodbye to the son. And the son, because it's animated, has these emotions. Like, oh my oh, God. The son is crying. Why, also? Daddy? Oh. You're scaring me, Daddy. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's so brilliant. Oh, my Lord. It shows it, who it, Superman is at the core. And he He's also said, and, and you have George Newbern. And I think this is where George Newbern, to me, became Superman. Because to me, it was Tim Daly. Tim Daly, of course. We were talking about this off air beforehand. And George Newbern is a great voice actor. He's still working today. He's, he's, he's a genius in his own right. But to me, he didn't have that same, that same feeling that Tim Daly, who was a more accomplished actor, at least on television, right. 
had at Superman, but that's when when George Newbern totally won me over when he said burn. And they used that same line and that same sequence from, from the Superman annual. And I was like, holy shit. Was this this in, was absolutely amazing. Was this in um, Justice League Unlimited or just Justice League? I think it was just... I want to say it was just Justice League. Yeah, I don't uh, think... I will look it up here. So good. So, um, yeah, at the core, that's who Superman is. In his mind, he never wants to rule the planet. He doesn't want to be a dictator. He wants to be a farmer. It was Justice League Unlimited. Justice League Unlimited. Okay. Yes, it was. He just wants to be a dad, have a wife, and be a farmer. Yeah. He just wanted to be like his dad. And he did That's it perfect. just on Krypton. Who knew Krypton had farmers? I thought it was a nice world, but, <laughs> but what the fuck do I know? So, yeah, check that one out. If you've never read it, check it out. Check out that whole book, The, the Collective Stories, uh, Superman Stories of Alan Moore. So good. Oh, yeah, that has, like, yeah, it has a bunch of stuff. Because I think that even has the one we're going to talk about next. Yeah, which is this little ditty called Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow. And uh, it, Manny and I, I mean, we're, we're almost three different generations. You know, Manny's part Gen X, part millennial. You're millennial. I'm full old school, angry Henry Rollins era Gen X. And no, I'm not that angry. Who can ever be I that? I'm a liar. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> No one can be a Henry Rollins angry, but I will say this, is that, to me, there was no greater event in comics than Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yep. Crisis on Infinite Earths, if you were to... to, I I almost feel bad for anybody reading Crisis without the publication of comics that were going on during the time of crisis. I really wish I would have been old enough to, to see everything coming. I was, I was not reading a lot. I was reading New Teen Titans, of course. I was also reading the World War II era All-Star Squadron, which took place on Earth 2. A couple of other, like I'd read the occasional Green Lantern. I'd read the occasional Batman. You know, And they would call them Red Sky Issues, where the skies turn red in their comic and it would provide a tangential relationship to the main storyline taking place in Crisis, but it would still allow their their story to take place. Wait a second. So that was a homage in Infinite Crisis when the sky turns red? Absolutely. Okay, because I felt like how you felt about uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. I felt Uh that way about Infinite Crisis, where you needed to read a lot of the stuff to get get the full impact of the story. Mm -hmm. Correct. And I didn't realize that that partially was in homage to that. Absolutely. And it was such a magical time to be a DC Comics fan, and I, I, I grew to love the DC Comics mythology more than I ever had. Of course, I read some of the Jerry Conway, Len Wein, George Perez um, uh, era of Justice League, and I read a bunch of Justice League JSA crossovers, and that's when I developed my love for the Justice Society of America so much. And I enjoyed the multiple Earths, and I enjoyed all that, but I understood that there was, at least in the mindset of editorial at the time, that that the condensing of the universes must happen. And I didn't realize until too late that that meant that all these storylines that were taking place were all coming to an end. And some of these stories, like in Batman's mythology... It, were, it was going to continue with only bare references to the cosmic hullabaloo that took place after Crisis mm-hmm. on Infinite Earths. But because Superman worked on such a massive scale, I remember when Jim Starlin did his run on DC Comics Presents, 
where Mongol first debuted, that Superman... So okay, that, wait, sorry, that was a Jim Starlin character? That was a Jim Starlin created that character. That makes so much sense. Doesn't s- it? It makes... Now that you say that, and I was like, that makes so much if sense. I, can he, I ask you... It, yeah. The reason Mongol hates Superman, this is before my time, is because Superman humiliated him, right? Right, and tore War World from him. Yep. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> and so... This was, but before that happened, Mongol, it was a, DC Comics Presents was a, a team-up issue, team-up Superman book. So just like Marvel had Marvel 2 and one and Marvel team-up, you had the Brave and the Bold, which was the Batman teams up with the DC Comics character, right. and you had DC Comics Presents, which is Superman teaming up with a character. Well, Jim Starlin went on for a run on that book, which started with Superman and Supergirl, and the two of them, teamed up against Mongol, who is this new alien invader on a planet called War World. And Mongol hits Superman, knocks him for a loop for a minute, and then Supergirl engages him, and the two really duke it out. Mongol punches her so hard, she flies in hyperspace. What the fuck? He knocks her out of the fucking solar system. (laughs) Holy shit. So Superman has to go on this quest to retrieve Supergirl, which started, I mean, this this should be my favorite Superman story, but this will all tie together in a minute. But it started with Superman then had to go to Mars to try to, to, try to find this relic on Mars to go get Supergirl. That would help him get the speed to get Supergirl. But then he encountered John Jones there, who was not in the Justice League, and the two had the fight, but then he got the relic and was able to go faster. <laughs> and then he uh, met up with Starman, the Steve Dicko-created Starman. Oh, awesome. Okay, which I love the Prince Gavin stories in Adventure Comics. Such great short stories by the master of the, of the form there. Um, but this is what debuted his dark blue uniform with the gold star in the center of his chest and the staff. So dope. And then the issue after that, the, the fourth issue of it, was the Superman Inspector. And Superman was going so fast that he was going to break his way into heaven. What the fuck? <laughs> he was going to break his way into the place where the one God above all gods resided. Okay, and that's... <laughs> Holy fuck. Right? This is the god that was above, like, the Olympians and the new gods and all... This is the god in white, okay? This was fucking god-god, okay? <laughs> the Bible big, god? Big G, Yahweh, Yehovah, whatever, whatever you want to call, call him, <laughs> god. And the specter was like, no, I can't allow you to go that far. And so Superman tries to fight the specter. Holy fuck. And it did not go well for Superman, okay? If there's <laughs> one character in the entirety of the DC universe... It is the Spectre, and... Well, when it comes to magic shit, I mean, it's, Superman Superman's is... just toast, and Superman eventually dropped to his knees on this planetoid, and he's like, I just want to get my cousin back. She is she has flown to the beyond, and I, I can't do anything. And he was, like, crying, and the Spectre is like, if you wanted her back, why didn't you just ask? And he just materializes her unconscious form in his hands... And hands it to her, and hands it, hands Supergirl to her, take care of your cousin Clark. And it was such a beautiful story. I was like, you know what? That's become my favorite Superman story of all time now. But 
it really it, it's a tie. So okay, that's my honorable mention. I do that. I got off on a tangent. That's there. an epic shit. Honestly, though. That's I've what, never heard that. So that was fucking awesome. But I, I want to get those issues now. Now I know what I'm going to do at my next comic convention is hunt down those DCPs. But Jim Starlin wrote and drew all of those Superman Damn. stories back just after he left Marvel for the first time, and it was just brilliant. But that's where Mongol came from. And ever since then, Mongol and Superman had beef. And <laughs> boy, howdy, did they fight it out. So when he shows up in this Superman annual some five, six years later, you know, Mongol's got a plan to take Superman out for ripping Warworld from him, which was essentially the Death Star at that point. Yeah. You know, so. But anyway, getting back to Crisis on Infinite Earths, they had at editorial this plan that the Silver Age Superman was going to end and the John Byrne modern era Superman was going to begin. We all know that story. If you don't, look it up on Wikipedia and, and maybe it would be worth a retrospective to bring Manny back for for that Superman story. That's a rare thing for a company to be able to set an edict of this is the, the end of, the definitive the defi- end of, of, at that point was the, the bra- I'd say the, well, the bro- could, was it the end of the silver or into the well, bronze? Well, and, and, and I'm going to make an argument here to say that Superman never was touched by the Bronze Age. Where Superman, well, maybe he was touched by the Bronze Age in books like, you know, Justice League of America or DC Comics Presents or in other comics that he might have guest starred in. But his book, despite the writers, and there was all many, so many different writers on that book, but Alan Moore was one of the writers, on, uh, the last writers on Superman, that I would say that, that they pretty much protected him, his core titles, Action Comics and, and Superman, of which there were only two comics, those two comics being put out, yeah. that they protected him from the cynicism of the Bronze Age. Of the Bronze Age. That makes a lot of sense now it, that you say that. Yeah, I mean, I can he, see that. He was, I mean, I remember buying comics off the stands as a kid in the 70s where he'd be fighting the cowboy space guy Terra Man, or he'd be fighting the Kryptonite Man, or Metallo, or Brainiac when he was still a green skinned android uh, before he became that, that superpowers collection Skynet looking oh, Brainiac yeah. <laughs> with the big dome head. And what, you know, so. So DC Comics, and I forget exactly, I think Dick Giordano was the editor-in-chief at this point. Sounds about right. So he goes to the best writer in the business who was not writing Crisis on Infinite Earths, and that was this guy named Alan Moore who was writing some kick-ass comics and was about to drop Watchmen on us the next year, in 1986, and said, look, you and Dave are about to do this, this great project, we would like you to tie up the Silver Age Superman story to put a bow on it. And I don't know much. I didn't read any interviews between him, uh, the Alan Moore, or Dave Gibbons. But I am curious now. I would love to, to see or to read an article or even a book on this. But here is the greatest comic book writer, arguably, of his generation, and one of the great artists of his generation coming together before Watchmen, months before Watchmen was to come out, to write two issues. Kurt Swan drew that. Or Kurt Swan, excuse me. I'm thinking of, I'm sorry, I got confused. Uh, You're I'm thinking st- of... Uh, I still have the... the 
the annual annual number wolf. 11. Yeah. Let me switch to whatever happened to the man of tomorrow here. Hello. But Dave Gibbons did work on this book as well. He did. Yes, because they, they, Kurt Swan drew both issues, but the anchors on this title... Let me pull them up. I was thinking there was a there was four or five, wasn't right. there? Between the two some issues? of these guys you might remember. Guys like Dave Gibbons, Rick Veach, Kurt Schaffenberger, and George Perez. I only remember Schaffenberger, but yeah, all those that makes a lot those, of sense. Those guys all because Kurt Swan, which I alluded to for just a second on the previous podcast on episode 30, was the master of human anatomy. I'm sorry. He didn't draw his guys over muscled. Yeah, we make fun of burly, right. barrel-chested, beard-guzzling Superman, you know, sucking in his gut like George Reeve used to do on the old show. But Kurt Swan drew beautiful humans, and not just beautiful like they're all, you know, I feel like, like I'm in models. church right now, and it's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. I, I'll wear my collar. And his facial exp- Superman had probably the most facial expressions with Kurt Swan. Holy There's, moly! If you look up on the internet, there is a. Uh, there's a chart. Chart of all the facial expressions Superman drawn by Kurt Swan, and it's amazing just to look at. It, they're all headshots. Superman happy, Superman sad, Superman angry, Superman uh, puzzled. Uh, puzzled. I mean, just... Su- Superman think in deep thought. It, and they're just, they're all these different headshots. He just did a character study of Superman facial expressions. Wow. You need to search this out. But Perry White was a middle-aged newspaper editor who was a cigar chopper with gray at his temples, but he had facial expressions. He conveyed emotions. Uh, Superman, at this point, was no longer working at the Daily Daily Planet. He was a television news co-anchor with his childhood sweetheart, Lana Lang, at WGBS. And Lana Lang looked completely different from, from Lois Lane. Mm-hmm. And But... Man, you know, you could tell when Lois and Lana were sharing a scene that sometimes there'd be tension with one another. Yeah. Um, but this whole comic book, this these these two issues, I mean, to think about it, that you need to tie up from 1939 to 1985. <laughs> Do the math on that for me while we're lots talking of years. years. Lots of years. Uh, 46 years of continuity. In two issues. How the hell do you do that? Alan Moore's literally, I think, the only person that could have done that. And I'll tell you what. I spent 12 bucks on Comixology today so that I could reread this story, which also has a lot of other great stories, including a, a dope DC Comics Presents duo between him and Swamp Thing. That was the shit, because Alan Moore, I believe, wrote that one yeah, as well. So definitely the Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow collection that's available now from DC is money well spent. Um, I'm not going to tell you the story so much, except that Superman had died, allegedly, and this reporter from the Daily Planet in the future went to go see a newly, or excuse me, um, um, I can't remember the last name, but Lois Lane had gotten married to some other guy, and this young reporter from the Daily Planet in the future, because they're all wearing future clothes yeah. in, in the year 2000-something, <laughs> pretty much today, and he's interviewing Lois about the last days of Superman, when his whole life went to shit. So you have appearances by the Justice League, by some of his greatest villains, 
Terra Man, uh, Lex Luthor joined with the Brainiac head. Like Superman had defeated Brainiac, but and and knocked his head off somewhere, where Lex Luthor was on the search for it to plunder its secrets. And they but, joined, and, but, and that's where you get kind of the superpowers type of exactly. Brainiac. That's that era. That's that era, and this is where, if you remember in Justice League Unlimited, that that Lex Luthor was on the hunt for Brainiac's brain. Well, that's where that came from is because he was obsessed with Brainiac's knowledge, not knowing that when he picked up the robot skull that little brain tentacles were going to come out and, and fuse his head on top of Lex Luthor's head. So it was like a hybrid Luthor-Brainiac construct. It, it featured such great characters as the Kryptonite Man and an army of Metallo Commandos climbing up the, 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 the wall of the Daily Planet. Superman's secret identity being exposed live on television by a bunch of flying heat vision shooting toys created by the prankster and toy man. Mm-hmm. It, the Legion of Superheroes shows up with the, the young teenage Supergirl right after Supergirl died in Crisis on Infinite Earths. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And Brainiac 5 was looking really sad because he didn't want to tell his girlfriend that she was dead in the modern time in 1985. You had the Legion of Supervillains consisting of Saturn Queen, Cosmic King, and Lightning Lord, you know, coming in to attack him. You had Crypto the Superdog. This is all happening. So Superman, when his secret identity was exposed, I, I didn't want to tell a story, but fuck... When Superman's secret identity was exposed, what does what does he do? He gets the people closest to him: Perry White and his wife Lois, Lana, um, all these Jimmy people, here. Jimmy, and brings them to the Fortress of Solitude so he can protect them. Just takes them from their lives and puts them in the Fortress of Solitude, melts the giant gold metal key so that nobody could get him, but they still managed to break in anyway. Guess who comes back when his master's time of need but fucking Crypto? Crypto was out flying the Milky Way galaxy, but knew his master was in space when he's on fucking Antares or whatever. Holy shit. And he flies back, and there's this giant brawl where it's the entire Superman revenge squad coming in to get blood, and the Kryptonite man is going in for the kill, and Crypto sacrifices his life and kills the Kryptonite man, tears his throat out, and dies in the process, turning completely green from the kryptonite, the green K poisoning. I I cried as a teenager reading this story, and I didn't give a shit about Superman before John Byrne. I cried reading this comic book as a teenager. It was so poignant. So many things happened. And look, this is... People talk about how dense Watchmen is. If you want to get a real sense of comics history in motion and understanding the power of, and and not just that, but the mass of an Alan Moore script and how densely packed it is from panel to panel, whatever happened to The Man of Tomorrow is the most densely packed two issues in comic books you can possibly get. Wow. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, for the shop, one thing I, I've tried to do for our trades yeah. collection uh, over at Comic Grapevine is basically pull the essentials. If somebody came up to me and said, what's the best story or what okay. story can I get the essential of this character from? Yeah. And I went when I was doing Superman, that's the story I went to. 
I yeah. found that trade, and I was like, you know, it's like twelve bucks for two issues, but god damn, those two issues are amazing. Yeah. Well, now they put in more content into that. So they again, they put in some DC okay. Comics presents. They put in a few. I didn't finish reading it. I just read that DCP issue. And, and, and this goes to prove that why Superman didn't work in the nineties. Yeah, they, they they got away. They, he they wanted to make him so big and so buff and. And that's I'm so powerful and tough. I'm going to go save America. Yeah, and I feel just... like they tried to filter a lot of the '60s through the '90s, which did not work at all. Right. And right. so you know, and it took for him to die, then people to start caring again, and then as soon as he came back, which I have all those clients. I used to buy, I have them individually issued because that was I spent so much money. I, I bet. I bet. Especially when you're 12, 13. That's a lot of money that I was it spending. Is. Oh yeah. It was four issues a month. Yep. Oh, and that's was, a weekly trip to the comic shop. It was. I, back it was, when they invented the shield numbering and the whole thing Yes, like oh, that. God. It was Superman, the Adventures of Superman, Action Comics, and Superman of Steel. Yeah. And, and so I was spending all that money. Plus, at the same time, I had Batman going through Chaos and Nightfall and all oh, that God. stuff. And that was before they launched the quarterly Superman, the Man of Tomorrow. The comic. Man of Tomorrow, which I oh, have the first right. issue. I have yeah. issue zero. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then they brought him back, and they have him the mullet and everything, and it sucked. And it was like, wow, you did all that work, and then you just, it sucks Essentially, you changed him so he could have a mullet. And it, you know what, And but if you get to the core of what Superman is, it's got to be an emotional story. He's too strong. He's too powerful just to, like, I'm going to fight this guy. Well, no shit. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, come on. And everybody tells you, like, well, Batman could stop. Yeah, you know, but if Superman really wanted to, but Superman's such a good person, he knows he would kill Batman, and that... He can't kill. He couldn't do it. He because with him, it. like we were talking about, is that there was always an emotional cost to Superman just taking the easy road. So he always had to do things the hard way. Yeah. You know, there was never an easy path for Superman to take in a story. That's why... Going all the way back to the beginning of the Silver exactly. Age. Yeah. Because in the Golden Age... He was just a strong guy who could literally leap tall buildings. He couldn't fly. He didn't nope. have heat vision. He didn't have There was have no kryptonite urine. yet. There was no kryptonite yet. He was bulletproof. But Wait, he didn't have heat vision? Nope. No, all that stuff came up because of the radio show. Yeah. That makes sense. He I, was a yeah. social avenger. Yeah. He was a guy that threw, threw slumlords out of top story. He killed. Superman would throw slumlords out of the top story of the 13 issue, story building. Fights a slumlord. Yep. Saves a woman from the death penalty. Yep. Uh, I can't remember what I was just, but that's what he does in the first and he issue. Go, and, the he, first and, issue. He, and he punched gangsters in the jaw, just knocking them out. He was he was a guy that fought depression era issues. I'm sorry, but he was he was Bernie Sanders on the Super Soldier serum. Really, he was a guy that was about saving the little guy, and that's why Grant Morrison's run on Action Comics in the New Fifty Two was so resonant to me. Is that it was a modern interpretation of that. I and that was the better part of the new 52 Superman. Absolutely. Well, that and Rags Morales, his partnership with Rags Morales. I art. loved that costume. That, that, oh. Anytime that they've done the whole let's bring Superman down to earth yep. with his costume, a lot of the times I get disappointed because I think it's a great idea and I love the costume generally, but yep. it's the execution is botched. That's one of the few things where he had to turn up jeans and yes. I mean the almost the it was very much a farm boy who'd grown up and put together his own fucking Superman and wore shirt. a towel around his neck for a yeah. cape. I mean and it, I loved that. I loved that. He, there was, was such almost, a relatability to yeah, it. Yeah, he almost was playing superhero. 
Yeah. You it know? was like us as kids playing dress up. Yep. And he did it with the super. I mean, he was the originator of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why absolutely. when that run happened, I love that run. And then the Superman on was D50, I painful. can't stand it. It was painful. It was because they were, there, there was obviously one was Superman that was already operating. That mm-hmm. was, that was the Superman book. But Action Comics, there was such... The core of the character. The core of the character, but there was a dissonance between the two comic books because one is the Kryptonian plate mail wearing Superman, and one is a guy in dungarees and a T-shirt and a towel around his neck. That, to me, was the more relatable Superman. They could have learned a lot from that by going more the Morrison direction with the character versus something that was... Out of somebody's sci-fi wet dream, I, I don't know how else to call that it. The but suit miraculously appears. You yeah. know, like, oh, I couldn't. No, that. no explanation. I mean, I I understand that we don't want to see Superman naked at the end of every fight, but they could have done something to say, "Oh, well, I found this Kryptonian suit for when I would grow up." You know, you know? the old explanation of why the suit didn't rip as much still works for me because his body has this aura because it's Kryptonian. Oh, that's the John Byrne era. I'll go with that. Do you, know, the, do you know yeah. what the original suit was? The it was original the blanket. Su- it, was the, it was his blanket, his blankets, plural. He had blue and, and red blankets. And, yeah. So, yeah. so it was Kryptonian fabric under a yellow sun. That's why it's altered, yeah. too. <laughs> well, I, I felt like it worked in the Doomsday story with the death of Superman. Oh, of course. Where, you know, of course he's tattered and everything. Because you know. Doomsday is Doomsday. I mean, he was a, a weapon. Kryptonian yeah. super weapon, and that's really. the only time that character's worked. Unfortunately, I, you know, yeah, yeah it, it really is because yep. they tried to bring him back. Even Dan Jurgens tried to bring him back, and that Hunter prayed it didn't work. It's, nope. Yeah, but I'll tell you, there's one scene and birth birthright, Superman birthright. I okay. think it's birthright at the end, and I do like that they changed that part where he's able to see his parents and send him a message through that. Uh, Whatever Lex Luthor creates, or yeah. whatever, I do like that. His parents know that he's alive and he's well, and then they die. That's the other the only change I really like him in the story because I was like, you know what? It gave a, it, it was an emotional tie back, and to it was his hope. Origin. Like his parents said, he made it. Yeah. Now we can die without wondering, and I yep. just like that. It didn't take away anything no. from his origin or his backstory. So, um, but yeah, look, whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow for the man who has everything. Uh, lost son, last, last son. son, excuse last son. me, and look that that unnamed DC Comics presents run, which DC archives get on publishing that as a collected volume for for not just the sake of Jim Starlin recently being inducted into the the Comic Book Hall of Fame, but for the fact is that was one of the greatest Bronze Age era, true Bronze Age Superman stories that were out there. It would be nice. To, I mean, to me, a lot of this just goes to show that that DC needs to get on the digital train uh, the same way Marvel has with their Marvel Unlimited. Yeah, um, I I think so too. I wish yep. DC if DC had this, I would they would have my money. Well, I I don't doubt that it's in the works. I I still they said they're trying to do their due diligence. I I but. think what it's going to be is it's it, they are going to go hip deep into transmedia which is they're going to have a platform which doesn't just deliver comic books, but will deliver animation and live-action programming as well. That, that I makes think, sense. I think that's what we're going to get the Titans series from and Young Justice se- Season 3. Um, 
that's going to make it on that platform. That's my prediction. There's been no announcements on that. That's just me playing playing talking head. Uh, if if DC were to look that far in the future and to integrate all their offerings into a single platform, I think it can only improve sales of comics across the board. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more with that. Yeah. So that being said, I think if you're going to make a good Superman comic nowadays, make sure you have a full emotional aspect to it because it's, it, you can tell in Batman v Superman there was no emotion. They tried to add emotion. It was lame. It was a forced emotion on Superman. And you had to watch the three-hour version. You had to, to watch it th- to understand it. To, to understand what the hell was with Stuper, Super. It was Stupid Man in the theatrical version where it was Superman in the exactly. ultimate cut. We, can, we should talk Man of Steel and BVS I would like, in an episode. I would like to. So we need to get somebody in the fourth chair here in the high-tech graphic content studio and, and really have a solid conversation about that film because it's polarizing. Uh, and and uh, Justice League is coming out soon, so, I mean... Yeah, yeah, it'd be a nice prelude to do that I with. think I think that sounds like a future episode, as we often conceive of here, yes. on, here on the show. Now, Look, I'd like to give a small shout-out. Okay. Uh, you guys talk about the emotional component. Did either of you guys read part of uh, Greg Pak's run on... On Action Comics with Aaron Cooter. I have to admit that I didn't. Okay. Which, what what <clears throat> storyline was that? He did the Underworld story where he goes in and it wasn't, there wasn't like a major story that stuck out mm. as much as the run. And I feel like he is the only writer that actually hit the core of the character in modern in the modern continuity, mm-hmm. and I feel like he's another one that's that's run was unsung, and it was interrupted by crossovers oh. and a lot of bullshit. But when you get the stories that he was just able to tell unfiltered, with when they left him alone, him when they left him and Aaron Cooter alone, uh huh, they had some great stories. Greg Pak is an underrated artist. I mean, an underrated uh, writer. writer. Yeah, he is a tremendous talent. His stuff on the Hulk. Yeah, and you guys talked about like how Superman doesn't kill and all that, and he goes into that in his his run in the least cheesy manner possible. Wow, where I felt like Superman was truly a radiant being of hope. That that's what he's supposed to be, and it was fun. All right, you sold me. I'm gonna have to go after that. You got to be careful because there's a lot of shit that comes after it. But if you can get into, especially the first couple of story arcs okay. were really well done. And right now, with everything going on politically, whatever, if you read the last couple issues of Superman, where he takes a vacation with Lois and um, his son, and John. His son, son, John, and they visit national monuments in Washington, D.C. and other spots. They couldn't have predicted what the times would be like today when but they it's, first created those. No, because that's months ago when they were drawing sure. them and writing them up. It fits in, and it teaches tolerance, and it teaches our military history, and it teaches how bad war can be and why Superman does what he does. And he even honors a Civil War soldier, which just got to watch this. It's so good. I mean, read it. It's so Uh, good. Okay, you sold me. What issues? I mean, is it, do you know Uh, in particular? I'll look them up right now. I, have I, mean, it's I think it's the stuff that's just come it's out. Right. Okay, it's, so it's, it's very era. current. Yeah. Oh, here. I'll tell you right here. Superman 2827. That's okay. the, the two run. It's called Declaration. It's really good. Okay. All right. Awesome. I'm sold. I'm going to get that, and I'm going to conventions to get those DC Comics Presents issues. 
Do and, it. And when I read those again, then I'm going to pass them around to you guys because I think you'll love that story. Yeah, I'll, I'd definitely be up for trying it. That sounds like such a cool story. Just it chasing does. his cousin. Chasing his cousin. And Mongol hit her so hard. That's so Superman fuck. couldn't I don't catch condone her. hitting people or women, but that sounds so badass. That's how hard he hit her. Right. And that's, that, I mean, honestly, it was the only way to bring Thanos into the DC Comics continuity was to create Mongols. So, yeah. <laughs> so amazing. Look, guys, I love the conversation. Thanks again for coming back into the studio, Thank Manny. You for me. We love having you here. Adam, hi. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Adam's my brother. I, I just like giving him shit. So, hey, Manny. As we like to wrap up these episodes, where can the kids find you online? Uh, you can find me on Facebook under Manny Gomez or One-Eyed Art. Um, hit me up. Whatever. I yeah. just draw. I hang out. I'm making Jim's shoes. Uh, Green Lantern shoes. We got a birthday party coming up for a little girl. She wants a superhero-themed paint party, so we're doing nice. that. Yeah. Okay, I can't wait. you got to get an Instagram account. So you I can do. Start. I think that would be pretty dope to see your stuff on Instagram. That I need would, to do that. And we will reshare the shit out of that. Hell I yeah. promise Sounds you good. that. Okay. Adam? Uh, Adam S. Messinger on all media. There you go. And me, follow me closely, kids. At Twitter. At Twitter. On Twitter, at Jimmers with three M's. On Instagram, at Jimmers with five M's. On Facebook, at Jim Mason. You can also follow the show at Graphic Podcast on Twitter, at GraphicContent.podcast on Instagram, or Facebook.com slash Graphic Podcast, which is the show's official page where we share news as well as news from other sites, news about the show, and then we share a lot of news from Bleeding Cool, from Comics Beat, Newsarama, and CBR about all kinds of things going on. And James Cameron, from me to you, shut up about Wonder Woman. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. There I said it. Oh, it I've is, been saying it. It is the editorial position. I will repeat the post that we put up on, on Facebook over the week which is it is the editorial position of the graphic content podcast that James Cameron should concentrate on making his own four Avatar sequels and shut the fuck up about other people's art because Patty Jenkins knocked that shit out of the park and... Um, and her response to him, pure class. The, the, yep. Look it up. It, she is at Patty Jenks, J-E-N-K-S, on Twitter... It was the most beautifully written and and to the point and classiest response that I could possibly ever imagine, whereas Cameron's remarks were an off-the-cuff dismissal of the Wonder Woman franchise. Thoughtless. Thoughtless comment, not even realizing the uproar. And I'm not trying to do this as Mr. Social Justice Warrior. That's not how I wanted to end this podcast. But this dude totally missed the point. We don't, we as men do not get to, to tell women what women empowerment figures are. If you want a classic case of that, Danny O'Neill, he, he did that. He I'll, thought he was doing the right thing, but he, he yeah, realized Danny he didn't. Danny O'Neill and Mike Sikowski right. uh, missed the mark on Wonder Woman. Wow. Don't we love Danny O'Neill? I love Danny O'Neill. We have, Adam and I have a mutual love of the character, The Question. Seminal comics work done by him and Denny Cohen. But I'll tell you what, 
he had a tone deaf portrayal of, of, of Wonder Woman when he was writing that comic. And James Cameron could do it. Look, as a guy who says that he loves comic books, needs to know his comics, comic book history a little bit better. William Moulton Marston, say what you want to about the man. He created that, that character as an empowerment icon for little girls. And I'll tell you what, Patty Jenkins realized that. Patty Jenkins helped craft that movie with the writer of that film and all the other creatives that worked on it to give something not just to little girls, but to little boys and little boys and little girls at heart a character to look up to. And man, to Gal Gadot and uh, the other actors knock it out of the park there. So yeah, I made this William Moulton Marsden had two women sitting right next to him. Right. Having their input showing him like yeah this is the finer points of of female empowerment of what little girls need to hear yep and that will be featured in a biopic coming out in late october called um professor marston and the wonder women oh fucking i can't wait to see that we'll talk about that on a future episode um i know adam normally calls it out but after my little rant there i'm gonna say go read some comics and after you're done with those comics go listen to the graphic content there you go